Hey guys, you are listening to the Heroes Home Base Podcast, episode 16. Hey guys, this is Rob. Hey, this is Mark. Hey, it's Rich. So Mark, um, it's been a little while since we've talked and uh, it's getting pretty bad in New York. So uh, what are you doing to keep yourself safe, man? Just washing my hands thoroughly in hot water and soap, drinking lots of water, staying in, only going out for a little bit of a walk every couple, every other couple of days or so, um, eating right, getting good sleep, working from home. What's the Love. city look like, man? It's very walking deadish. In New York, it's walking yeah. deadish. Very yeah. walking. It's the trains. There's only like two or three people on a train during rush hour when it's like. Nobody can sit down. Um, the streets are empty. Fifth Avenue is completely dead. Rockefeller Center was completely dead. Um, surprisingly, Central Park is very busy because people have been out and about the last two days when it was nice out. Yeah. Um, Thursday and Friday. But it's very dead. It's very slow. Uh, it's very quiet. It's very eerie here in the city. Yeah. I heard a bunch of... Uh... Willy, really well-known like restaurants and all these places have just kind of had to close down much like i mean ohio's pretty much been closed down for the last two weeks and i'm anticipating an extension but man it's just it's just eerie it is very eerie i went to the meatball shop which just to get like a one of my favorite peanut butter and chocolate ice cream sandwiches and you have to order they're open every all the restaurants are open for takeout but you have to order through the window of the mm. restaurant yeah. So all the ta- all the chairs are up on the tables. Um, you know, a lot of waiters and waitresses have been laid off, and you just order food through the window of the restaurant and just take it home. And they do deliveries, you know, everywhere. But it's very eerie and very quiet here. I think that uh, the industry that I'm in were considered essential to keep the uh, consistency going as far as the replenishment in the uh, food industry. So we're still going to work, still trying to do social distancing and, and, you know, practicing good hygiene habits. Like you're saying, it's just, it makes you wonder, you know, have I really not taken care of myself like all these years? Like, and now we're bringing it, you know, the attention. It's just crazy, man. Yeah. And I mean, kind of to echo that, um, at my job, we've had to go to um, telepsych for our group therapy stuff. So it's been it's been weird. Been doing like pretty much a WebEx session with my patients, which has just been really really weird. But um, I just been thinking about this weekend. I've just been really exhausted, like super exhausted, and I'm not really doing much. And Becky sent me this article, and it was just like moral exhaustion and i'm like i think there's a lot of truth to that because it's like decisions that we don't even think about when we're not in like a quarantine type situation like you never really think twice i gotta go to the grocery store but now it's like is there what's the calculus on life or death or spreading disease that could potentially kill if i go to the fucking grocery store i'm like this is it's weighing heavy yeah so there's definitely going to be a new normal. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's not like you're just going to flip a switch and go back to reality. It's going to take a it's going to take some time to I'm just really worried. I don't want us to spend too much time on this because it's like everybody's talking about this. But I'm just really worried about the fall because a lot of the experts are saying, you know, this is this is looking a lot like the 1918 flu and it killed more people in the second wave, which would have been in the fall than it did when it originally showed up in the winter time. And it's just like, we're not going to have a vaccine by then. So it's like, all right, does this mean we're social distancing until like midsummer and then we get a break and we can kind of ramp back up, but then we're back at it again in the fall. Like it's just a lot of unknowns kind of piggybacking on like what people are going through um i've read that uh diamond the comic book distributor is not distributing any more um comics for the time being or they're not accepting anything more i also saw that i think dc was going to go around that and uh, ship directly to vendors but stores aren't open and speaking about that um saw a uh a link on facebook for laughing ogre they had a gofundme page to uh help with the basically like the layoff of the staff because the store's closed and they're not going to make any money so i'm happy to report that the uh, heroes home base podcast donated fifty dollars to the um laughing ogre staff gofundme nice very cool you know, I was reading, I was watching Fat Man Beyond, and they were saying that Kevin Smith, although he says that although there's cushioning, and there's like online stuff that they can do, that he's worried about the secret stash. Yeah. And the scum and villainy, there they did the podcast. It was just Mark Bernard and him, and the owner of the scum and villainy. He said that he they're right on Hollywood Boulevard, and the rent is astronomical. Oh, I can And he that. said. And he's saying that they're losing $700 a day. Yeah, I mean, to me, I look at this. I mean, the, the easiest thing we could equate this to, and it's not a comparison at all, is, you know, the 2007-2008 crash. But the, the difference is, is that this isn't just the mortgage market or the banking industry. Like, this, this is, is everybody. Everything. It's like, this is everybody. And I think there's going to have to be, you know, there's going to have to be some growing pains and some adjustments that have to be put in place. And so far... I mean, I like that, you know, mortgage companies and other companies and credit card companies are taking the initiative and like, hey, we'll do some, you know, breaks and anticipating you won't be paying your bills and stuff, which I think just, you know, that I think can be helpful, you know, to be like, you know, we're not going to be knocking on your door for collections. And I know a lot of city governments, which I mean, it's the local governments that are just amazing. I'm really impressed with our governor. I think he's done a really good job at paying attention to the professionals and making sure people are are safe and doing what needs to be done and these are some difficult calls because you know on the one hand you got people saying i really appreciate you and you got um, in the same breath people are like i hate you you're ruining my life we got to get the world back to reality you know but i mean i think there's everybody there's going to be a new reality <laughs> yeah i mean i think everybody is struggling in some way and I think there can be some benefits to that where we can all kind of hold each other up. Um, but yeah, this is pretty, this is pretty uncharted territories here. We don't have, we have a very different economy than they did in 1918. Yeah. 
I always say when I win the Mega Millions, two places I'm going to donate to are the Scum and Villainy and the Secret Stash. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of money to donate to, the, to them now, you know? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, man, I don't know how many people are going to be playing the lottery anytime soon. Well, we didn't have any uh, emails to follow up since our last episode. Um, I think that uh, the three of us could still connect and we can try to stay positive and and really uh, dig into the show and dig into the comic books and hopefully hopefully this will hopefully we'll be laughing about this soon. I hope. Yeah, I think it's I good to have a sense of a sense of normalcy. I remember it was the day after nine eleven, and I remember a radio host was like, you know, we just need a sense of normalcy. So I think continue to do things like have our podcast and listen to some th- some staples that were you know our reality before all this. I think helps us get through some of that stuff. Let's change the conversation a bit, and we've got a special guest on tonight to help us continue with that. Heck yeah, man. We got another uh, home-based communication issue. What is this one? Is this our second, third one? Uh, yeah, this is number I think three. it's our third one. Yeah. Herb, Rob, Antoine. Why don't you give, yeah, Herb and Antoine, and now Rob, why don't you give us some info on our guest? So this is uh, Dr. Doug Mosquita. He is a psychiatrist that I work with, um, and him and I have kind of bonded uh, over the last, I would say, two years or so. Um, a cool dude. Uh, I envy his office at work. He's got Funkos everywhere. He's got uh, DC action figures and stuff. Um, so he and I kind of bonded over kind of comic movies and the genre in general. And I thought it would be really cool to kind of get him on here and kind of have some conversations about his love for the genre, the movies, and also, you know, pick his brain a little bit and see how, uh, the world of psychology and practicing as a psychiatrist kind of meshes with, you know, being a comic book fan. So without, yeah. yeah. So without further ado, we've got, uh, we're calling him Doug for this episode. Doug Mosquito on. Dr. Doug. Thank you so much for taking the time out and talk to us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Doug, this is Mark, uh, our good buddy, who's uh, obviously hunkered down in the epicenter right now in New York. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope you're staying safe. I am. Thank you. It, it's, it's been quite the time here in the city. It's very walking deadish. It's very empty. Uh, I bet. <laughs> Scary stuff, doing what you're doing, because it feels like we need something with all the social distancing and uh, yeah. entertainment you guys are providing. Mark, Mark, I saw an article that said we were they were converting the Javits Center into a makeshift hospital. Is that true? I think I tagged you and Rob in it. So, yeah, they're turning it into – I mean, it's a huge facility, as we know. Yeah. Yeah. And so they are going to turn it into a – they're turning it into a medical facility, yes. I heard I mean, Central it, Park is getting tense now, too. I haven't heard. I was well. I don't. I haven't seen that because I was just because I needed to get out of the house because I've been in the house. I've been working from home, and I was like, well, you know, let me just go for a walk. So I Thursday and Friday I went to Central Park both days and walked. And the park is crowded. There are lots of people walking around, and there's lots going on. And um, but no, I didn't see any tents or anything. But maybe I'll take a walk up to the Javits Center. Yeah, be careful, man. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> please be careful. I will. Uh, all right. Um, so do you want to go by Doug? Doug? Doug sounds good. All right. So uh, 
we'll just keep this conversational. I've got a couple of questions that I've added. I think I messaged you like a month and a half ago some questions. If you forgot, no biggie. We'll just and roll I, with this. I figured you'd throw me some curveballs too. <laughs> I, I got some good ones in here that that I I don't know if they're going to be curveballs. You're probably prepared for it. So, you know, such as would you practice psychiatry in Gotham City, which I think <laughs> you would say no. <laughs> I'd be afraid to. I'd be afraid. To. <laughs> so I'd also have to ask if I have to be a villain to practice psychiatry. Right. Uh, exactly. Doug slash Dr. Mosquito. Um, how did you hear about our podcast? Oh, well, uh, from my buddy Rob here. Uh, <laughs> got on board with episode one, which was exciting. Yeah, you were one of our pilot listeners, I think, weren't you? Brought me back to my own beginnings, which felt like it paralleled you guys with how I got into some of this stuff. So it was... Uh, a very nice journey through memory lane. There we go. So can you tell us, when did you first fall in love with comics or the comic genre? Yeah, wow. I, I remember my first comic book. It was a Superman comic, and I don't yeah, even remember. buddy. Kind of <laughs> random. But uh, and I don't know if you'd be familiar with it. It had Superman on the cover, taking a lightning bolt to the chest and grinning as he did so. And I think the episode was, the issue was about him looking forward to a, his first date with Wonder Woman. So he's giddy and he's flying through the air almost hitting planes because he's you know so excited about it i think it ended with a full page panel of him and wonder woman locking lips so that was my first uh comic book um but i think mirroring you guys might have been rich's story it was superman 75 that kind of really pulled me in death of superman yep uh, and gosh that i remember being at the grocery store with my mom she's shopping i'm hanging out by the books and there's a uh, comic rack and Superman 75 is on there and it's it's hard to describe what the feeling is you're flipping through their full page panels and you're seeing Superman beaten and bloodied and costume and tatters and I'd never seen Superman like that and I'm thinking that must have been seventh grade eighth grade um, so that kind of rocked my world you know and, and you end with the two page you know kind of splash of him dead and sprawled out yep. on Lois's lap and uh that was kind of the impact, you know, and I remember telling my brothers about this. You guys won't believe this. Superman's dead, you know. Um, that that was the start, 1992, I think. That was like, there was a lot of anguish on Lois's face in that picture. Yeah. Oh, I still was. remember that. And I don't know who was more broken up, her or me, you know. Cause, uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, super friends and lighthearted stuff that I'm used to. I'm like, wow, this is some rough stuff, you know, and, and how can they kill Superman? Um but the other thing, too, is that was a lesson in, for me in value and issues being worth something because I didn't buy the issue. You know, this is going to sound strange, but I was like, I've asked my mom for so much stuff. I'm not going to ask her for this issue. I'm going to put it back. I'm going to have her drop me off later. I'll buy it with my own money. And you guys can guess what happened. I come back there. I'm all the issues there. are gone. <laughs> right. She takes me to the newsstand slash bookstore. It's gone. I think everywhere I checked, it was gone. So Boy. that still haunts me, too, that uh, I never ended up getting that issue and I had it in my hands. Um, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, but I'm a seventh, eighth grader. You know, I've never collected comic books before. I'm not expecting there's a value attached to it. Right. Uh, so I, I kind of lost out there. But but one of my brothers ended up with the black bagged Superman. So I took that as vindication that at least one of us got it uh and i think it was in one of those combo packs that i know you guys have spoken about before so he got <laughs> cost or you know below cost and i was like sweet at least one of us ended up Pass with that. the prized issue right so awesome. do you currently collect anything doug or uh or anything else besides comics 
Yeah, I, I don't do comics much anymore. You know, I think I probably left that back in high school just because it got expensive. So for me now, Funko Pops, random action figures I'll pick up. Um, and that, I'm, I'm big into the movies, so I'll, I'll be buying most of the DC releases in particular. So the um, different versions of it, the DVDs, the Blu-rays, um, and those things. But as far as collectibles, it's probably more... Funko Pops, various action figures. Nothing expensive, nothing fancy. T-shirts, um, though, right? Do you do the... T-shirts, uh... I've got... Yeah, so that, that, that I've, I've got a stack of T-shirts as well. Mostly DC, some Star Wars. Um, That's you, Mark, man. You got your T-shirt collection. Yeah, which, insane. I am a huge... My T-shirt collection is insane. I will tell you, I'm a huge fan of T-Public. Have you visited T-Public, Doug? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, I have. So I know I'm, I've got... I'm telling you, don't that website was like a uh, it was like a blessing. Every day was like Christmas. It was awesome. I, I was gonna say it's dangerous because oh yeah, I'm it's dangerous. Through, I'm wanting to buy more. I mean, I've had to stay away from T Public for a while, dude. So I, I could easily drop two hundred bucks. Like, eh, what's another shirt? Thirty dollars, thirty dollars. You're like, oh shit. And they get you on the deals when they oh yeah. You. You know, 30% off. Oh, shit. Exactly. You got That's the me. number. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's like I like it, but do I love it? I have to love it in order yeah. to buy it. You yeah. know what I mean? Dude, you oh, could, you could spend an hour. I'll be, like, I'll be the only one wearing this, you know? So it's like I've got to get this and be that guy. That's what right. I'm saying. Like you could sit there and design a shirt for an hour like, man, I really like this gray, but I like the lighter gray, but now I like this blue. Man, it really looks good in red. I'm like, shit. Right. So, so Mark, too. picking out shirts at Comic-Con <laughs> for Mark is like the business card scene in American Psycho. Like, it's like, I've got a, every detail has to be right. I have, to, I don't, I don't, I don't love this. No. Well, he'll hold the fucking shirt for like 10 minutes and be like, I, should I get it? Should, no, no. <laughs> I gotta or get it. he'll love the shit out of it and the, and the people won't have his size. I'm like, ah, yeah. all we got is small. Well, you gotta it's check that first. I'm a bit of a snob because I know that I'm the only one that has this t shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how they get you, too. So, speaking of Funko Pops, uh, I will vouch for your Funko Pop collection. You've got quite a collection at work, and I'm staring at the White Elephant Supreme Leader Snoke with the best part repackaging sticker on right, it. Right. Now two dollars. <laughs> that's the part that's gold. <laughs> I'm like, I am keeping this repackaged sticker on this son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I still wish he was cut in half, but yeah, that would be better. What's your favorite uh, Funko Pop that you have? Do you have like a a fave? I'm a I'm a huge Batman v Superman fan, so oh, there's man. one. Uh, the Superman statue with the S kind of spray painted on it. Um, False so that, God. That that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that that might be my, my favorite. And I think I've got one of the Superman troopers with the S emblem on his uh, arm, uh, which I from the dream sequence. Yes, from the nightmare sequence. Awesome. I do have the False God one myself. Now, speaking of this, I mean, you guys were probably on top of this before me, but did you guys hear that Zack Snyder was doing a live commentary track this morning for Batman v Superman? I didn't, but I, I read about three articles about an hour ago about it. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. I didn't find out Please fill me in, Doug. I did not know anything about this. What's going on? Neither yeah. did I. He's been on Vero, if I'm pronouncing that Yeah, that's lot, like his site. And stuff. So I guess he announced it recently. It might have been yesterday, the day before. Did it this morning at 8. 
um, live commentary for the ultimate cut. And I checked, it is recorded and it is on there. So anytime you guys want to, you can go on there, but it sounds like he was dropping all kinds of info and new stuff that people hadn't heard about the movie. And I don't know, I'm getting the impression we're getting closer and closer to Zack Snyder's justice league, which just has me excited. I'm like, it's long overdue, but oh my God. it's like it's building momentum. If it's out there, it'll come out. It will. Mm-hmm. It will. It's just a matter of time. Well, I think yeah. when it got the the thumbs up from Ben and Gal and all those other actors, what a few months back, like they, yeah. like if they're they saying, they'd yeah, see. release a Snyder cut, then come on, man, it's it's gonna happen. I think. Right. Right. So well, what did he say? He said when he uh, did the final attack on Doomsday and killed him, his scream like woke up the mother boxes or something like that. I don't think I heard that detail. That was one of the I read that was in one of the articles where I guess that was like the Easter egg in Batman v Superman that it was supposed to connect directly into. Obviously, in addition to the obvious things like, hey, we got to get some people together because shit's coming. I just can't believe that Warner Brothers really fucked up and just totally lost the opportunity to have do uh dark side in a movie like it was in the released like screenings for people because i remember what was it on fat man beyond kevin had a guest in his audience that said yeah i saw it there was a dark side it was you know it's not finished but yeah yeah i saw green lanterns too but it's not finished i'm like Warner Brothers just sucks, man. <laughs> They've just been patient, you know? And they, they mucked with the movie and brought Joss Whedon in and it bombed, you know? Like, you couldn't just let him finish it and then moved on if you really wanted to. And I get it. Like, a lot of people want the superhero stuff to be, you know, bright and mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. family-oriented, but it's just like, I like Zack Snyder and I like that dark, gritty bullshit, man. It's it, I get, like, I still think his best work is Watchmen, I think, I mean, we've talked about it constantly on this show is like his ability to completely take that. Granted, a lot of his color choices were dark and muted than what the original comic was. I mean, but his just attention to detail is amazing. And they should have just left him alone. Like the fact that they were Batman v Superman didn't make the money that they wanted it to make. It still made a shit ton of money. It don't it exactly. was under a billion, but I mean, it was still like 800, 800 million some, you know, like, and then they just start throwing the, I mean, when what Batman V Superman came out, what was it? They were already filming justice league in England. Is that what it was? Right. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So then they started hacking away towards the end, but man, we I can know. talk about this for a whole hour. <laughs> so. Doug, let me let's let's back up to uh, Man of Steel. Were you? Um, what was your reaction to the killing of Zod scene? I didn't have an issue with it at all, you know. Uh, and I, I appreciated the situation they kind of put Superman in, which was this guy's going to keep destroying unless you stop him. Um, and kind of the agony that Superman went through in doing it, which kind of sold it for me. I don't think I've ever been as fixed though as a lot of people in saying Superman absolutely can't kill. You know, I, I think I understood yeah. that more as Batman's absolute rule. Um, so I didn't have an issue with it there either. Plus, I was thinking, didn't he kill or at least seriously hurt Zod back in Superman 2? He crushed his hand. He, you know, <laughs> I thought Zod had been dead at the end of that movie, if I remember oh, right. Yeah. So I think people making a big stink back then, you know, like they were. Uh, this time around, so I, I had no issue with it at here's all. Here's my here's my take on it. Like, 
I get what you're saying. Like, it's more of like Batman's mantra, to be honest with you. But it's like, I'm cool with it because he killed a Kryptonian with superpowers on Earth. It's not like he killed a human on Earth. So, and exactly, he was faced with a dilemma of, oh, shit, I'm going to have to kill this guy. Otherwise, he's going to obviously murder all these people right in front of me. But that's how I kind of go with it. It's like he killed another god, per se, on Earth. So I'm cool with it. (laughs) Right. No, absolutely. And it, it felt like Zod was setting up um, up for it. You know, you're going to have to kill me because I've got nothing left to live for and I'm going to keep destroying unless you do. Yep. Uh, and like I said, I like seeing that Superman wasn't nonchalant about it either. It kind of destroyed him too. He's yep. killed the only other Tony and left alive. Yep. So who do you think, uh, on a similar kind of topic, when we're talking about the end of that movie, um, which movie do you think killed more people in the end, Avengers or Man of Steel? <laughs> that, that's a tough one. And I've seen Man of Steel more. Um, I mean, they were going through a lot of buildings that were completely coming down. So it might, yeah. might have been Man of Steel. Um, I haven't seen Avengers nearly as much, but it did feel like the criticism was a bit imbalanced given that you're making a good point. There was a lot of loss. I remember yeah. nobody said shit about Avengers. Like, Nothing. oh, he just they killed too many people. And like, Zack Snyder, what were you thinking? <laughs> just taking yourself <laughs> way too seriously. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, but, but, but the thing that bugged me too is that Snyder took it seriously. He worked it into Batman v Superman. And then you saw Marvel try to steal his thunder with Civil War having Scarlet Witch throw somebody into a building in the most awkward scene ever. And then, hey, we're going to play the same card of, hey, our heroes just killed some people. Let's make a big issue of it in, in Civil War. So it's like, that's, that's Yeah, low. it's true. All right. So um, who is your actual favorite comic hero? It's Batman. It's Batman. Batman. And, and what I did mention before was it started with Superman 75, but the next year, 93 with Nightfall, that's really when I, I got in. And... I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong. I'm thinking Batman the Animated Series probably premiered somewhere around that time. 92. Yeah, so I think the combination of that, Nightfall, Bane, um, I just found I appreciated the darkness of Batman a lot more than than Superman. So I've been, he's by far my favorite. Nice. What are some of your favorite, you mentioned Nightfall, but what were some of your favorite um, comic movies, stories, or comics? Yeah, so I've already mentioned Batman v Superman. That's probably right. my favorite in, in recent years. Um, I know people probably consider me an oddball just for that, but I love Batman Returns as well. And oh, I, fav- I love that movie. Yeah. Classic. Classic. I favored it over the Nicholson movie, you know, so um, I, I like that one uh, a lot. Uh, I don't know if this counts as superhero, but certainly comic book. I love the original Ninja Turtles too, which to me holds up um, and, and which I uh, really like. Uh, a lot of a lot better than some of the recent attempts uh, to do it. Um, and then you I didn't like with... Megan Fox's version. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind the first one. You know, it worked, but they changed so much too unnecessarily, and then the sequel really stunk. But um, there were there were elements I liked in in the Megan Fox one, and uh, and it felt like they made a last minute switch. You know, I, I was pretty sure William Fickner's character was supposed to be the Shredder, and uh, it seemed like they pulled a switch at the last minute to insert, you know, someone Asian probably because everyone was like, hey, you can't make the white guy, you know, shredder. But I don't know if I'm reading too much into it or not. Just like Danny Rand and Iron Fist was supposed to be an Asian guy and it was a tall, handsome white man. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I think Figner's character was even called Eric Sachs, which was an obvious Orokusaki kind of uh, variation. And, 
uh, it, it felt like they chickened out at the last moment. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I haven't seen the original Turtles movie in a long time, but I, thinking about it, like the tone of that movie and the tone of the 89 Batman, it's shared like the same, like, I don't, I'm trying to struggling to articulate this, like the same grittiness. Like it was yeah. very yeah. real. And it was like, they were trying to, it was almost like they were trying to accomplish the same thing. Like, let's, let's right. separate this character from the cartoonish, like absolutely animation. I actually watched it over Christmas and <laughs> the grittiness, I think that for the turtles is because it was actually shot in New York and mm-hmm. that's how New York was at that time. Yeah. In 1990. Yeah. So that's what added to it. Absolutely. And if you look at some of the choices they made, you know, when Splinter has been kidnapped and Raphael's badly hurt and, the rift between him and Leo. I mean, there was some really neat stuff they played. It was heavier than you'd expect in a, what people would have probably thought was a kid's movie. Right. I'm sure there was a lot of parents that were like, yeah, we'll take you to see that cartoon movie. Oh, my God. What did we sign up for? <laughs> well, speaking of that, Batman Returns, right? I remember hearing oh, yeah. parents were taking kids crying out of the theater. and It was kind of a, like a horror movie, man. <laughs> the right. opening sequence. Bye-bye, kitty. <laughs> oh man, I remember that was probably that I, I actually go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, I really like 89, but I, I went on a rich kid vouch for this. I went on a, a binge watching Batman Returns like several times. Like I think I watched that movie like 20 times in a month. Like I was just like, I love this, I love this movie. Jeez. And I just loved Danny DeVito as the penguin in that. I thought it was phenomenal. I was like I was fill her void. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest penguin line of all time. Sorry. I just I just love the campiness of yeah. him in the like grocery store Batmobile in his trailer. Like I was like, this is freaking amazing. Like No, absolutely. And Christopher Walken was fantastic. I mean, just Agreed. fantastic. Uh it's a really good movie. And you add in the Christmas theme and the fair that added to the fairy tale aspect, you know, that Elfman and Burton would do so well, so yeah, yes. I remember. So Rich and I went to see that with our grandfather at the <laughs> continent. At the continent, I remember the the. I don't know why I remember this. Um, he was like motionless the entire time because I was like, "Oh, is he gonna like this or not?" And Rich and I were how old were we? Rich, we were like I don't first know. grade, first yeah. grade, second grade, maybe somewhere around there. I think and it was the first... second grade because we were in kindergarten in '89. So. Yeah. So <laughs> the first thing he says was, did you think that was a good movie? <laughs> like, it yeah, was amazing. It was awesome. You know what that, he thought of it. <laughs> he's like, that was awful. <laughs> and I was just like, what? That was amazing. <laughs> I was just like, did you think that was a good movie? It's such a weird movie. <laughs> it is. Rich. What is your take on all the comic movies out right now? And, uh, we already talked about the Snyder Cut, but I guess you could sum it up. And what do you think of them in general? Obviously, they're the forefront of all of entertainment right now. Right, with comic book movies. No, I, I don't think I could have envisioned back in the early 90s we'd be at this place where we'd have so many of these movies. Um, I'm almost needing a break from it, you know, especially on the Marvel side, because it's felt like it's been rinse and repeat. You can just plug in the same you know, different characters and different villains into the same template. I feel a little bit of what feels like Disney sucking the soul out of it a little. I'm I'm a little bit worried about that, especially seeing how they treated the recent Star Wars movies. Um, 
And I think as you were commenting on Rich, or you know, all of you guys were for a while there, Warner Brothers and DC was doing something distinctly different from Marvel, which was kind of exciting. And then it was kind of sad that critics didn't respond, people were complaining, they just wanted it to be like Marvel. So now I'm thinking, okay, that's what we're gonna get. We're gonna get more Shazam and Aquaman, and I like those, but it feels like it's gonna be the same product between both companies and so many movies. Um, yeah. I, I am impressed that Warner Brothers released Joker. I I didn't like it. Um, I think I think you guys might have liked that one better than I did, but I was admiring that they were willing to put out an R-rated standalone, you know, not gonna make a lot of money kind of movie. So that gives me some hope. Maybe we'll see something different, but I'm kind of worried it's just gonna be a glut of the same kinds of movies. Yeah, campy entertainment, lack of storytelling. You're the first first person that I've heard say that they're worried about the rate at which they're producing them and the same kind of template they're using. I haven't heard that, but that brings it's a a different uh, opinion brought to the table because everybody just you know they just grow so much so much money and everybody loves them. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, and I think they'll keep turning them out because they are making money, but. I think even the interconnected nature isn't as big as it seems, you know, like I think the whole Thanos storyline was just we'll drop in another Infinity Stone during the end credits. And that's what connects it really. It was mostly a bunch of standalones. And then we're just going to get to that point where we're going to end it with Endgame. So I was kind of like, I, again, going back to Zack Snyder, and I I know I'm I'm preaching to the choir, but it felt like he was building something that would have been a little bit more intricate if they'd let him get to Justice League Part 1 and Part 2 and would have been more interconnected. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like if we... I have a... I'm I'm more than positive we're going to get the Snyder cut, but am I going to be more heartbroken because we're not going to get Justice League 2 and is he ever going to be able to finish his vision? That, I think, is like... Is it worth getting teased with what we've wanted for such a long time and then just so to be fun. like then it's going to be like release zach to do the rest <laughs> like no i i know this pipe fool's gold i mean there's a little bit of hope of what if he releases justice league what if they give him a little bit more money and he puts dark side in would there be some clamor for let's continue this even if they didn't do it with him right you can let any director yeah. take it from there but you've got gall as as wonder woman you've got you know Jason Momoa as Aquaman. You've got the cast there. You know, you could bring back Henry Cavill. Um, you know, a little well, bit of hope. She never, but... never officially said he was done with the role, even yeah, though they cut his true. head off and fucking Shazam. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. You know, so I'm, I'm hoping. But honestly, if we just get a really good box set, I mean, now we've got the Batman v Superman commentary track, which I'm thrilled about. I've got to check that out probably tomorrow night. Um, and then so if we can get his Justice League a release on disc, commentary track or maximum movie mode i'll take it and run you know i often i wonder if it comes down to somewhat obviously it's not the entire equation somewhat how the fans respond because you know if they're getting if warner brothers getting the hint that people want this and they're going to spend money on it of course that'll take that under advisement for whatever it's worth but money trumps all yeah yep that's right. So, so um, too, real quick is just I love the animated stuff Disney's put or um, DC's putting out as well. So, Superman Red Sun recently, and a lot of the direct video stuff. So, that that I'm loving. So, I hope they continue to do those. I'm glad you brought that up because during this quarantine, I've been uh, quarantine binge, you know, <laughs> you know, catching up on some uh, some old stuff. And I know Rich and I are probably going to disagree on this, but I watched for the first time this afternoon. Uh, the Killing Joke. Hated it. Mm. So okay. here's my here's my here's my question to everybody. Let's take out the bullshit the first, first thirty minute right. 
standalone nonsense and actually what did you think of the killing joke portion like i actually thought the killing joke portion was pretty damn close to the actual graphic novel like i thought it was spot on and mark hamill oh my god like hearing him play the character before he was the joker i think that's what it was for me rob i I remember mark hamill himself saying he'd love to have just one more shot to do the killing joke and then kind of finish up so for that alone because I, I have the movie, and what I keep going back to is just that last monologue. That's what I'll keep watching over and yeah. over again. I've been walking through the funhouse and listening to Hamill go as Joker. Um, and that kind of made it for me. So I think like you, I'm kind of tuning out the first half, which I didn't mind. But it was like, okay, they wanted to give it a more of a movie length. But now we get to the killing joke, and I kind of like the second half. Although I will say... It was a little disturbing hearing Kevin Conroy laugh like that at the last part. <laughs> I was like, okay, stop, stop. This is a little... Yeah, yeah. That may be the one thing he doesn't do so great as Batman. <laughs> right, right. He's like, I'm really good at this because I don't have to laugh ever. So, so Rich, what did you think of that? I know you hated the movie. I know you saw it when it first came I, out. I agree with you. I think that... You know, once we got to the actual killing joke story, it was good. But it's like, why do we have to taint it with Bruce yeah. sleeping with Barbara? Like, what the fuck was that shit? Yeah. Like, no. Like, no. I mean, I saw it in theaters and it's somebody released. I remember which when I called you at work and told you I got tickets and I saw it. I was like, the movie poster I love, but the movie was like, I don't know. But here's the thing. It's like Warner Brothers has the rights to do this shit. Like, they fucked up the Hush movie. Did you watch that? I like, did. You what the, the the ending's totally different. Like that was the whole cool part about the hush story. Which like, they seem to be doing now, you know, maybe to give it a twist, we're gonna go with a different ending to make it distinct from the comics. But you guys will probably agree, I think part of the problem is they can't quite fit these into that seventy five minute length that they seem yeah. like they've got to do. And I kinda wish they'd do these in two parts, do two movies, do three, give it time to breathe. It just feels like we get these kind of butchered versions sometimes because they've got to fit it into that 75 minutes. That's why I liked the animated... That's why I really enjoyed the animated The Dark Knight Returns. There's two, uh, part one and part two. Like, that was perfect. They didn't change a damn thing. Like, that was exactly how Frank Miller wrote it. Dark Knight Returns, Yeah. right? Yeah. All right, so this is kind of a three-parter here. So I want to hear kind of your least favorite movie. Uh, So let's just start there. What is, like... I know you're a big moviegoer, so like, what is like your least favorite? I and mean, if you gotta give us a few, I understand. It's yeah, we're always talking about comic book movies, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll often just skip them if I'm just anticipating it's going to be bad. So, for instance, I never saw Catwoman because I could see <laughs> how many problems there were going to be. So I've never seen that one either. So Sharon no, Stone couldn't even motivate me to see that. Four movies. Have I? Yeah. So I'll name that one. But of the ones I've actually seen. Um, this is kind of recent bias, but I was really disappointed in Joker, so I, I really didn't like that one for a, a number of reasons, whether it was the mental health aspect or not knowing what they were going for with it. You know, what was the point? I, I didn't like that one. Um, on the Marvel side, I was kind of bummed by Captain Marvel. Um, it kind of felt like they were squeezing in a hero late in the game and kind of retconning things a little bit. Let's make her the reason why the team's named what it is. And I was like, that seems kind of unfair. And I don't know why we're kind of squeezing her in last minute. So for whatever reason, it kind of, that kind of bugged me a little bit. Um, On the DC side, probably Green Lantern uh, comes to mind, Um, which I, in some ways I liked more than a lot of people, but that second half really. As do I. I didn't think it was that bad. It it wasn't that bad, but you know, bad choice of villain. And then they just couldn't nail the action scenes at the, the second half. It felt like they were just really awkward, strange. 
It was um, kind of like what Herb said when we talked to him. It was just so super cheese. Like, it was just over the top. Like, yeah. they tried to go and do too much. But they also got it started. So I was like, just do a sequel now. At least you've introduced the world and given the backstory. Just run with it now. But they, yeah. they did. He made a great Green Lantern, physically. I, I didn't mind him, yeah. I, I really didn't mind him. All right, so you reminded me of the question that I blanked on. So pull this apart a little bit. So what are some of the things, because this is what you do as a profession, so what are some of the things you didn't like about the Joker? Okay. One is the mental health aspect. So as you've probably heard a lot of psychiatrists say, I don't like the idea of mental health and the stigma of it. You know, statistics show it's not the schizophrenic patients that are causing violence, right? You're more likely to be hit by lightning than, you know, to be um, attacked you know, at random by someone with schizophrenia. So I didn't like the idea of taking a, a, a popular character like the Joker uh, and saying, hey, it's it's a mentally ill person. So that, that kind of bugged me. Right. Two, they couldn't even get the mental health part right, you know. So, for instance, they attributed his Joker laugh to what's called pseudo-bulbar affect, which is a real thing. People kind of uncontrollably laugh or cry. But that's a neurology thing. That's not mental health, right? So it's like a little bit of neurology, a little bit of post-traumatic stress disorder from his upbringing, a little bit of the loner stuff that we see with gunmen, which that's not really mental illness, right? It's these ostracized guys who want to get revenge on society. So just felt like they just kind of threw it all against the wall and said, hey, it's a sort of gritty kind of take. People will buy it as kind of a, a, a real mental health kind of picture. And for me, I'm like, that's not really how it works. So and then talking about that, it, it, I thought the idea would be you're calling the movie The Joker. We're trying to show how he, this crime figure becomes that. But this doesn't seem like any kind of crime figure to me. I can't see this guy leading any kind of gang or doing anything like that. So and with Joaquin Phoenix saying I'll do a sequel as long as Batman's not in it, I find myself saying, you know, why did we even do this then? Because I thought it right. was supposed to be a real take on, you know, the comic book character. Yeah. So I, I I remember talking to some colleagues saying they didn't like how some of the social workers were even portrayed. It was almost like cheap stereotypes of, hey, let's meet in a storage closet and we'll call it, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're like they, they focused on maybe some real things like, hey, you know, budget cuts. They don't give a shit about you. It's like, OK, there's some maybe some truth to that. But at the same but it time, was also it was kind like, of a, you know, sorry about this. You're on your own. Right. Like no attempt <laughs> any other kind of treatment, which, as you know, Rob, that's not how it works. You know, you know, nope. ethically obligated say, to do other. Sorry, things. you're on your own. You know, no meds, no, no doc, no nothing. So uh, that also felt like it was ostracizing the system in a way that's not true. You're right. We get budget cuts and, you know, low resources, but we're never going to just send, send somebody out of the streets and say tough luck, you know? Yeah. So, so focusing on the acting side, what did you think of his performance? Cause I know we just talked about in a couple episodes ago about he, him winning the Oscar and he was, he was great. It's just hard for me to separate that out from everything else feeling like it wasn't right in the movie, you know? So that, sure. that's what was really hard for me. Um, I especially love when he's coming down the steps, that swagger. That's the moment when I felt like I saw Joker, right? For a glimpse, for a moment, for a few seconds. And then it kind of slipped away, you know? Yeah. So I kind of wish, why couldn't the whole movie have kind of been that? So he was outstanding. I mean, I'm not going to complain that he won the Oscar, but I just wish it could have been in a much better vehicle for him. Yeah. So what is maybe a, a comic book movie that you would like to see that hasn't, hasn't happened yet? 
Yeah, I mean, some people might groan at this just because we've gotten so much Batman already, but I just dream of getting to that point where we can see a Bat team movie, so to speak. Bat family? With, with, right, exactly. Nightwing, Red Robin, you know, Robin, all of that. It feels like you could even do some kind of Black Ops type stuff, given their skill set and what they do. Something set in Gotham that's kind of interesting, but it feels like we're a long way off from that. They've got to introduce Robin, they got to do the backstory uh, to get there. But as a, as a Batman fan, I think I'd love to see that. Uh, at some point but then the other thing as a dc fan is i just like to see them get rolling with some movies like marvel has with justice league and an interconnected universe so sure um, um, i'd start with green lantern if they could kind of bring the core back yep so my last like sub question here what if so if you could change a comic movie to your liking what would it be and why so something that's already out how would you tweak it to your liking Ooh, that's kind of interesting um you can broaden it to, you know, <clears throat> Star Wars and Disney if you need to. <laughs> That'll definitely get me rolling. Gosh, I mean, <laughs> Star Wars, I'd love to redo that whole trilogy, you know, um, and just give the writers a chance on The Force Awakens to create something memorable. Um, <laughs> whew, um, I think we've covered this a little bit, right? I, I just wish we could go back and alter Warner Brothers thinking a little bit with some of the DC movies to have given them more of a chance. Um, which at least it feels like we're on the verge of seeing, um, you know, Snyder's version of Justice League, which I'll certainly take. Um, Green Lantern's maybe the other one. So, and again, this is kind of echoing what we've already spoken about, but I, I wish they could have chosen a different villain for that first movie, which I think would have altered the second half of the movie. Kind of a villain who'd be more action-oriented, a Green Lantern could actually fight rather than a scientist type. Um, yeah. I think could have, you know, worked really well. Um on the Marvel side, I, I, I think what I'd say there was I, I really wish they would have done Endgame a little bit differently. I would have loved if they did Endgame Part 1, establish this new universe in which Thanos has, has won, and then go several movies in that new you, you know universe, that new timeline, before doing Endgame Part 2. It didn't make sense to me to do Endgame Part 1 and then immediately do Part 2, where it's just a repeat of, we've got to stop Thanos. I thought it was a huge lost opportunity to actually have an interconnected set of movies where we see them living in this dark time. Yeah. Um, most of the heroes dead and, and kind of scattered. I would have loved to have seen that as the end to, you know, this recent wave of Marvel movies. Can you tell us, do you have, do you have any questions for us? Ooh, no, that's, that's good. I mean, I was going to ask you about one thing I already did, which, which was just your thoughts on Zack Snyder's commentary. I, I was kind of hoping you guys maybe heard it, um, since I kind of found out about it late, but, um, that was one thing that was on my mind. But maybe I'll ask you guys, especially Mark, since you had commented that no one had really brought up that concern about the, the glut of movies or kind of the same kind of template about things. Have you guys felt pretty, I don't know, optimistic about where Marvel's headed next with, I don't know what if they're calling it the next phase or whatever, um, with how they've done things? Because I've sometimes felt like I have a different opinion than everybody else. Everyone loves the Marvel movies. I've been a little bit down on them. I'd love to hear what you guys kind of think about where they're headed next and if you think they've been headed in a good direction. I think they've been headed in a good direction. I think the reason why I don't maybe, I think I, I like the pacing at which they come and it gives me something to look forward to. And I think that these movies are really, they're establishing the movies. So that's why I think I'm okay with the template of them. Um, I This next phase of movies, I'm not completely too familiar with, but I think that's just they're just giving themselves some time and space 
to give us the stories that we really want to see. And now that, you know, Fox and, and now that they've acquired the Fox assets, that's a whole other catalog that they can go into. So I think that Jerry, I think I like the pacing at which they're going. And I just trust Kev, Kevin uh, Foggy to just, you know, continue to go in the direction that he's going and continue to do well. And if I remember, Mark, I think you were kind of down on the X-Men movies and, and past podcasts. So you must be especially excited about the Fox characters being brought in to be more faithful and authentic to the to the comics i'm very excited because you just they, they were just off the mainland you know what i mean for so for like 20 years so they couldn't really connect to their you know to the original ip if i'm using that term correctly so i just i'm very excited that they're there and they're back at marvel they originated from marvel and i think that i, I really i trust kevin foggy one thing that uh i can't remember where i heard this was that the next spider-man movie they're going to have one charlie cox play daredevil and they may be bringing the daredevil show into the marvel movie universe which i, they I know that I would be that the too. shit and i think i also heard we might see vincent d'onofrio as kingpin which oh, oh, that yeah. alone would get me there absolutely man like i heard i think it might have been on fat man beyond or i might have read it on bleeding cool or something but that would be amazing and i feel like those Netflix shows were done at such a high level. Well, besides Iron Fist, that was a big pile of shit. But such a high level that I feel like they could be just thrown in with the movies and it would work. Like, whereas, like, I look at the DC shows, I don't know if they kind of, they would work the same way that I feel that the, the Marvel Netflix shows would work. I agree. So, Rich, do you think this, like, the crisis stuff on the DC app and everything, was that maybe a test run for what they want to try uh, movie-wise? I don't know, man. I, I As as much as a DC fan that I am, is like, I'm not watching any of the shows anymore. Like, I stopped watching. I, I, I think I watched the first season of Supergirl when it came over to WB from CBS, and it was a lot better. I don't think it was ever great, but I really quit it altogether because of I'm I'm I just want to be entertained. I don't want your political agenda thrown down my throat every time I want to watch a show. So I quit that. I watched Arrow, and then the last show that I was watching was The Flash, and I haven't I haven't watched either one of those for a while. I couldn't get myself to even get into the live DC stuff. I think I've just liked their animated so much. I've kind of stuck with those and. Yeah. Movie. You mentioned Batman Beyond, Rich. Do you guys have any scoop or heard anything about whether there are any plans still? Because I remember when Spider Verse came out, people were saying DC or Warner Brothers is not going to do, you know, a Batman Beyond movie like that. You know, maybe with Keaton voicing. That would be. Wayne. F- oh man, I wish that would happen. Yeah. What were we saying? Like we asked Antoine about who he would cast as Terry McGinnis. Who would you cast as Terry McGinnis there, Doug? Because uh, I'm still going with Glenn from The Walking Dead. You know, Stephen Yen. You know. That was my pick. Thank you very much. I'll go with that. I'm, I'm not good with casting, so I'm always like, I better leave that in better hands, you know? <laughs> I think I just want to be obvious. Get Keaton in there, please, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. In fact, my dream would be to reunite him with Burton and do one more Batman movie and then do a Batman Beyond, you know? I think it would be sweet if if they could do, like, a Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns type storyline with him playing an older Batman. Right. Although he's not beefy like affleck got into but i mean he can make it happen keaton's got the chops for pretty much anything but if they did keaton and if they did if they did a batman beyond with tim burton directing and keaton doing it i think if we're saying it i think they probably already know it 
You know what I'm saying? If they've got to know people have probably already have. I hope somebody has said something to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that would be awesome. I would love you know, it. With Del I love doing the score, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to throw some techno stuff in there too. But oh, that just reminds me of. Uh, I mean, we talked about this a while ago, but um, speaking of which, because I just watched The Killing Joke, I noticed there was a. Uh, they're paying some homage to the um, Christmas with the Joker animated series because it was like in the Batcave and he's got all the pictures and it and it had the Lafco um, toy company logo. It was in one of the pictures. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you did there. But it also reminded me of how much I really liked um, Batman Beyond the Joker movie, which oh, was so good. Love it. Yes. So one good. of my favorites of all the animated movies. I feel like I was lied to like for the last. 15 years not knowing that I got the shitty yeah I was surprised when you told me that yeah I was like what what is happening I'm like oh apparently I got the non-explicit content version I think that was the last movie I bought on VHS yeah (laughs) probably was and the Disney plastic extra large doesn't fit in any damn video holder box oh so all right I got to give you some time here, uh, Doug. Say your piece about this most recent uh, trilogy of Star Wars. <laughs> and again, I, I don't know if I'm kind of the odd guy out because it feels like everyone has loved them. But no, no. OK, now that's good to hear because I, I thought they were disasters. You know, I, and I, I understand why. Right. My biggest issue is Disney. You know, I mean, you guys probably know some of the behind the scenes, but Michael Arndt was the original writer, and I think two years in, he did, wasn't ready to complete the movie. And instead of delaying the release of the movie, they booted him, said, you know, Abrams, Kazim, you guys write the movie with a year left or whatever. And it just felt like they've been, it's been a mess of the trilogy since then, right? It's just, and I thought it gutted the original movies, which is what bothers me the most, you know? Anytime anybody's saying, hey, these are better than the prequels, I'm like, you know, maybe the prequels were wooden and had too much CGI or whatever, but at least the stories made sense. You know, yeah. you could give those to Abrams and they would have been great. But, you know, what happened to Luke being the return of the Jedi, right? There's not a single Jedi he's trained left alive. What happened to defeating the Empire and Return of the Jedi? I guess they're back just under a different name. You know, Han and Leia finally get together at the end of Return of the Jedi. Only to be separated, you know, in Force Awakens. Um, you know, what happened to Luke standing over Vader tossing his lightsaber away and saying, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. You know, you failed your highness, ready to die. Um, and that would have been victory for him. But he's going to kill his nephew and then he's going to, you know, just brood on an island for years, you know, and, and give up. So I, I just thought the whole thing was just. I just remember seeing that and show critter Kim, my wife, we were just like looking at each other in the theater like, where the fuck is Luke at? Like, when is this movie going to get good? And then it's like Luke, five minutes credits. What the fuck was that? Oh, <laughs> Fucking Han's so, dead. What is this shit? <laughs> when Abrams doesn't know what he wants to do with something, I think he leaves it for the next movie. But I don't think he expected that Ryan Johnson was going to kill off Snoke and have Luke just toss the lightsaber and. You know, so I, you could tell they they were not communicating. They weren't on the same page, and the last movie kind of showed it. You know, yeah. And uh, gosh, right to bring back the Emperor in the last movie just to kill him off in the same movie when he had already been defeated perfectly well back in Return of the Jedi. I'm like, the whole thing's a mess. <laughs> so, I just I think I told you, Doug. I just saw I finally watched the Rise of Skywalker about <laughs> a week and a half ago. Like I'm just binge watching stuff i also yeah. watched jumanji 2 which is amazing by the way Love but anyway, that movie. That i gotta see still 
Yeah. Oh man. So Kevin I just, Hart I as Danny DeVito. Oh my god. Or no, as uh no. Who <laughs> the did Rock Kevin... is Danny DeVito. He's Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah. Oh, anyway, good. sorry. It's a little, little aside there, but it was fine. I just part of me was like, okay. In terms of like being entertained, I was like, okay, I like this. But I was like, why? It's almost like, why did the original actors like sign on for this? Like, did they, was it for like love of the character? So they're like, you know, if we get the opportunity, because I remember they interviewed Harrison Ford, like when he picked up, oh my God, the Crystal Skull. and was like, I would love to play Indiana Jones again. I'm like, really? Because um, I would love for you to play him and the writing would be shit. But I'm like, I loved Last Crusade and I signed up for this like 20 years later. This is bullshit. But I mean, I guess for me, it was like, how did they, how yeah. did they tolerate what they did I think to the Harrison characters. got the death scene that he wanted, right? I think he'd wanted Han to die, so that was probably the big thing for him. Hey, you can come back, play the character once more, and you want to play him again. But I think Mark was kind of honest, right? I think from Mark Hamill, we could tell this was not what he was expecting, right? He wasn't expecting to not be in The Force Awakens at all. I don't think he was expecting he wasn't going to have an on-screen reunion with with Ford, with, with Han Solo. Right. Um, it is kind of shocking to, to know what they were thinking about. You actually get the cast back, and then you don't have all three of them together in the first yeah. movie. You bring Lando back until the last one. I mean, it just there was no thinking about it at all. And I think Mark was saying he had to think of the character as Jake Skywalker because it wasn't a character that he knew. And that's what I've been referring to him to. I've been referring <laughs> yeah. to Jake because it's not Luke, you know. Mm. He, he was right about that. And, and I think for a while he felt like he needed to apologize, but I think he's kind of gone back to what his honest opinion was, which, which I really appreciate. Yeah. You know? Well, and... For me, it was like the the visual that comes to mind, like if I have to like collect these last three movies and like it's the Johnny Cash flipping off the original stuff. It's like it's just like fuck the original stuff. Right. And we're and it's really like, OK, fans don't I've, seem to realize. Right. I mean, people are eating yeah. this up and giving them money and not seem to realize it's like an F you to the movies you guys love. Yeah. Right. It's like this completely laughs in the face of Return of the Jedi, which is actually I really love New Hope. New Hope's my favorite, but it's a close second of Return of the Jedi. And it's like this completely like it just pisses on that. And it's like, yeah. what? And then it's like a cheap redo. It's like I loved what Abrams did with Star Trek. I thought it was amazing. I loved how he took and just it made sense. You went into an alternate universe and you were still able to tie in Spock from the original stuff. I mean, he did it. He did it like, that's what he does best. Like when he has time to actually do it. And it's like, this was, and then it's like, where the hell did the first order come from? Where the hell, where, who the hell is Snoke? Like, I don't know who this cat (laughs) is. Why is this face? Right. It looks like he got acid blood from an alien sprayed on his face. And I'm like, what, what is, what's happening here? But then it's like, it doubles down on it in the last one. And it's like, why do you need another empire? Like, why do we, what, what, why do we need, this is really, this is really silly. So I think the more I've actually, now that I've finished the last three as like a completed unit, I'm like, I don't know if I really even, even like it. That's like from inner, like I told you earlier, like entertainment wise, I was like, okay, it kept, it captured my attention. There's a lot of cool action. Like you get to see stormtroopers on jetpacks and stuff. And okay, it, that right. that's kind of cool. I, all anybody's looking at is the superficial stuff and saying, "Hey, this is great." But, but you know, you made the Star Trek comparison. I don't know if you noticed that he basically used a New Hope as the basic outline for that Star Trek movie. You know, with Kirk and yeah. the blue hole in the farm. You know, and 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 
the Romulan ships, the the planet destroying thing. But you can do that in Star Trek, and Star Trek hasn't done that before, right? But to do a New Hope right. again in a series that's, you know, Episode Seven, when they already did that a few movies back, it just kind of resets the whole universe in a way that doesn't yeah. make sense. So the thing that so from a fan standpoint, I I, I got the um, behind the scenes like quote documentary. I'll use that term loosely of rise of skywalker so i had like three hours of behind the scenes stuff and some of the the things that he does i think are kind of cool to pay homage to the characters like you know the scene well first of all i hate the scene because i think it's just cheap and well and tacky but you know you find out in the last movie that leia was actually a jedi right but the scene where where luke is actually training leia it was actually her daughter that played Leia in that scene, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm like, that that's pretty badass. Like way to like way to to bring her into it. And there's a scene, it happened really quick, and obviously I wouldn't even have known about it, but there was a scene where um uh, I think they're looking for the dude that's gonna try to read 3PO's like memory, and he's got like an apparatus on his face, and it's actually John Williams. Oh, he's wow. like and but the really cool thing was like he wanted Abrams wanted him to do a cameo and the the crew actually created like very specific things from all of his Oscar nominated and won movies. So like all the thing like it looks like he's like at a like a junk shop or something and everything around him is like pieces of his movies like there's little yellow barrels for jaws there's little iron x's with dog tags for saving private ryan like it was i was like that's pretty badass because i just john williams is like yeah he's he's john williams like he's freaking amazing so i thought some of that cool like stuff like that it's like okay as a fan as somebody who likes you know these types of movies i thought that was really cool it just sucked that the movie was shit i know (laughs) If they could have released that in theaters instead of the movie, <laughs> <laughs> right? Just just make the documentary. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, Doug, as we wrap up here, I was thinking, um, since you're a big movie guy, is there a holy grail movie poster that you have or that you really, really want to get for your collection? Good question. That is a good question. I don't have a lot of posters, so. Um, I'd probably take anything, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Um, and I'm, I'm, the glimpse I'm getting of your office, Rich, is, is awesome, too. So I imagine you've got some really neat stuff. Yeah, see, I might just say, can I take something from Rich's office? But I, <laughs> my, my answer. But um, I, I really love the, the armored bat suit from Batman v Superman. So if I had like a full kind of poster of Affleck in that kind of armored suit, you know, I, th- I think something Batman related, and that would certainly be it. Um, or maybe something Bane related, uh, because he's he's one of my favorite villains. So one of last question I have for you: How does like your love for this type of entertainment, this type of like material, how does that kind of cross paths with your profession? You said a little bit about it when you were talking about the Joker, but like I know you've done some stuff with like Batman and psychology and stuff like that. How do you like Absolutely. bring both of those elements of who you are as a person together? Yeah, this might not be. You know, for me, I would say I love the stories. Um, that's what got me started into comic books. I started with books when I was a kid, going to the library. I remember mom taking us and, you know, me and my brothers. And then that love of novels grew into love of stories any way I could get them. TV, movies, comic books, video games. 
And I think I realized at some point that I was drawn to psychiatry and mental health because it's the stories of people's lives. So I think mm -hmm. that's the theme I've seen. I'm loving the stories of people's lives and psychiatry allows me to get into it. You're hearing the good and the bad and all these things that people are struggling with. And maybe I've got a chance to kind of nudge them in a good direction, you know, by what I can do. Um, in some ways, actually in huge ways, that's what all the entertainment we love is doing. There's stories that entertain us and kind of help us through tough times, such as now with COVID-19, right? You guys participate in that. You've got a show that people respond to and listen to and allows us to appreciate the stories that we love. So in a different way as a psychiatrist, maybe I've got a chance to to positively impact the stories and help turn people, turn them a little bit more positive, you know, maybe in a That's different awesome. way than entertainment You're doing does. doing the Lord's work, as my buddy Mark always says. <laughs> <laughs> so my second to the last question, who, uh, who would you least likely practice psychiatry in Gotham City with and who would you like to practice psychiatry with in Gotham City? Are you a Hugo Strange this type is like guy? Or... Practice with one of yes. these psychiatrists. Oh boy! If you choose to practice in Gotham, which I think you've said, hell, hell no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna pick somebody, I'm probably gonna pick Harley, and it's probably for all the wrong reasons. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, at least someone, uh, uh, let's say, pleasant to look at. Let's say as, as we're working together. I'd be terrified out of my mind to be working with Jonathan Crane, right? Because I'd be expecting him yeah. to be pumping gas into my office. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I'd trust Hugo Strange in any way either, right? He'd be getting into my memories and stuff like that. Of course, she's crazy too. So, um, you know, I might be playing a dangerous game, but I feel like at least it might be some fun along the way. Right. Maybe Tell I'll me. take an injustice stance where she kind of befriends you like she does uh, Shazam, so... And, and, you know, more and more, it feels like they almost play up the anti-hero aspect a little bit. We see her sometimes working with Batman or the others. So I think she's had more of a positive bent than some of those other guys who were just absolutely frightening. Right. Did you ever watch Gotham, Doug? I never did. You know, I, I think maybe for reasons that Rich was alluding to, you know, I, I never even gave him a chance. But I think I was just picking up on stuff that I think was going to make it hard for me to even start to begin with. And I think for me, as as Rob can attest, he's been wanting me to watch this episode of Black Mirror, which I just haven't yet. So it's hard for me to even watch an episode sometimes. But <laughs> the commitment for an hour-long drama, um, I mean, I think the last live-action show I watched was Smallville. And I gave up on that after a few seasons, and that was enough, you know. Um, I just see them going off in more wrong directions, I guess, than, than some of the other stuff. So and I, I don't want to commit to a series for years and then be so disappointed by the end. I, I, and that makes a lot of sense. It's funny because you mentioned Hugo Strange, and I think one of the best character adaptions that were or live action characters that were brought to life was Hugo Strange in Gotham and Solomon Grundy when they brought him alive oh, yeah. in, in Gotham. That if, was an if excellent. If I was going to do any, I probably would do Gotham because I, I feel like I've heard decent stuff about it, and I am a Batman fan. So I really just had it on for noise. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I didn't really like it. But I gave some episodes I did pay attention yeah. to, and those two episodes with Hugo Strange and Solomon Grundy stood out to me because they just brought those characters to life so well. Yeah, that's an approach I never thought of, Mark. Though maybe I could put on one of these just for noise. And <laughs> yeah, I do. I wash two dishes, mopping yeah. the floors. I just have it on in the background. I gave it a solid one episode, and actually, it was Jada Pickett Smith's character. I'm like. All right, she's a good actress, and this is shit. I'm like, I'm nope. I liked who they picked for Penguin because I thought he like fit the role pretty well, but I'm like, nope, I'm good, I'm out. 
it, I think it's almost like what they did with Joker, right? Bruce Wayne's a kid. I don't get it, you know? And I think the same thing with Gotham. I'm like, aren't you missing a big piece if you've got Batman yeah. as a kid? Yeah. Everybody else has arrived. It kinda, it's almost like they kinda, try uh, to keep pulling that Smallville thing, like there's going to be no flight, no tights. Like, we're going right. to dance around this throughout you're the right. entirety of the show. Yes. Well, it almost plays against the... Um, all these people, these villains of Gotham are a product of Batman, right? So it almost like flips that on its ear where it's like, well, no, they were, they're a product of the city and Batman's in that ecosystem too. But yeah, yeah. If, if they did a Batman show where he's traveling around the world to learn martial arts and all of that, I'd watch that. I mean, that would be oh, very, yeah. that'd be great, you know? All right. So is it Raz Al Ghul or Ra's Al Ghul, sir? Oh gosh, I, I was used to Rachel Ghoul from watching the animated yep, series, right? Yep. Just sounded yep. cooler, you know. So I'm, I'm gonna go with that. I thought when Batman Begins, I was like, Raza Ghoul is that like Rachel's brother? Like, what is this shit? Like, that's not how you say his name. <laughs> Who what is, is this, this guy? shit? And, and when they pulled the switch, Rich, you were probably thinking, oh, now we're gonna see Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Nolan, what did you do? What yeah. did you do? I know. You guys got anything else? No, man. No, Doug, Doug it's uh, been great talking to you. Yeah. It was just very, very fulfilling conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, no, I appreciate that. Like I said, I appreciate the invitation. I, I probably could talk with you guys for hours and hours and hours. So yeah. um, that's awesome. I and think we will. Uh, I'll be continuing to check out the podcast. We appreciate it. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, Doug, we'll probably have to have you back on sometime because I think there's probably a lot, a lot of more conversation right. to be had oh, i'd love to. yeah absolutely That's, especially once i've had a chance to listen to that commentary track Can yeah absolutely so just to that yeah <laughs> probably probably could all right well thank we'll you let sir. you Stay go safe. wash your hands <laughs> don't touch your yeah. face yes right. i know which i was probably doing all throughout and i'm on video <laughs> doing it too i'm no, sure you're good. All well, right. have a good night thank you so good much night, all right Thanks a lot. Take care. Yep. So that was uh, Dr. Doug Mosquita. It was really good to have him on. That was um, a good um, conversation, man. I really enjoyed that. I mean, I think we're going to have to have him back on. I really, I don't know. I'd like to pick your guys' brain. I really liked some of the some of the things he teased in there about, like, his values and not wanting to ask his mom for the comic at the grocery store. But then also I really loved some of the uh, – some of the deeper aspects of like his profession, but also his love for comics. I think just diving into having more of those conversations, not just with him, but with other folks and between, you know, the three of us, I think those are just some conversations that are just, they're, they're full. Yeah, man. That was a, that was a nice breath of fresh air. Take your mind off of what's going on. It was good to dive into those, that, uh, and his, he had a. He was the first person that I've that we've talked to, or I've talked to, that didn't enjoy the uh, Joker movie, and I think it was because it really related to his profession and how he analyzes things, which I can totally appreciate. Yeah. So, what do you think, Mark? Having more of these like peel the layers back conversations. Loved it. I love hearing different perspectives. I love hearing from our listeners, and it was good to have him on. It was a very fulfilling conversation. So. I think that, uh, Mark, you want to plug our uh, email and our Facebook, and then we'll get right back to our uh, our countdown. Absolutely. So you guys can reach us at Heroes Home Base at gmail.com and Heroes Home Base Podcast on Facebook. So be sure to write us in. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. 
Who wants to go first? We are on number five, already halfway on the top ten. Mark, why don't you take it off? Start it off. So I chose X Men issue one seventeen from nineteen seventy eight by Mr. Chris Claremont and John Byrne, and it's one of my favorite covers because it's just the artwork is just so awesome. And the this particular issue is called Cy War, and it tells the story of Professor X versus the Shadow King. And how Storm and kind of her backstory, and it's not a whole lot of superpowers and battling. It is a battle going on, but it's a side war between Professor X, the world's most powerful telepath, and the Shadow King, who's also a very powerful telepath. And their battle takes place on the astral plane. And that, battle... Did they do an episode of that on the X Men cartoon? Yes, they did. Yes, yes. they did. I love and that one. Yeah, and it's just such, it's one of my because it's it's a lot of, it's a very it's a heavy, very full backstory issue. Okay, and that's what I love about it so much. So that's my number five pick, and plus the artwork is just like, oh my gosh, it's just incredible. And this is back in nineteen seventy eight. Oh my god, it's incredible. Nice. So X Men one seventeen. X Men one seventeen. Nice. Well, I think I can go. We'll just piggyback. Okay. We'll piggyback this on the uh, conversation we had with Doug. My number five is going to be Superman 75, the death of Superman back from 93. So, and I'm looking at both the black cover, the black bag with the red bloody S, and then it's got the the other cover with the tattered cape. Um, Yes. I mean, we all know, we've talked about this on the origin of our podcast and the origin when we started collecting and it's just an iconic book and uh it's it seems like it never goes away it seems like the attention that that it's on it and then it kind of fizzles out and then it's like they just did a animated movie of this not too long ago obviously the ending of batman v superman went went in this direction and i just think that i don't know i'm anxious to see what can come in the future of this but uh this is definitely one of my favorites and most memorable books by dan jurgens so superman 75 is my number five classic rob what you got buddy so i gotta say um as we get closer to number one this is when it starts to get a really really challenging yep because there's so so many books so many books um so uh for my pick i went with detective comics number 1000 um badass i think it was yeah, and I went and got the um what cover did you the get? The 19 I got the uh oh damn, I'm drawing a blank. It's the 1950s variant cover where um Batman and Robin are standing in the middle and it's like got all the different thousand Batmans coming at them. It was a pretty cool variant cover. Um it was about a year ago that I read this, so I think it was May of 19. I remember I was sitting in my freshly cleaned garage i believe i was smoking a cigar and having a beer when i was reading this it was a very it was a very cool next to your comic book (laughs) yeah don't tell anybody um so i really like this before i read this it was it was kind of a while because if you could remember rich i still wasn't really jumping back into comics a hundred percent um so this was a really good a really good experience it really got me kind of reconnected with the character a little bit. 
A um, couple of shout-outs to this one. Obviously, this is a special issue being 1000 so they almost ran it like an annual you know where a lot yep. of sub 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 stories in it um i obviously like the second story in there which was uh jim lee and um mr kevin smith where he had you know he melted down joe chill's gun and made a uh, a plate behind the bat logo on his suit which i thought was pretty cool but i actually really liked um bendis's story of uh, i know and pretty much the gist was Oswald Cobblepot pretty much kind of said, I knew years ago that Bruce was Batman and, you know, I wanted him to know that I chose not to kill him. And it kind of ends and it, it kind of reminds me of like the kingdom come Bruce, you know, this, this very old and frail man in this sophisticated professor X type wheelchair. Yeah. And pretty much, you know, Cobblepot's like, I knew it was you. I wanted you to know that, you know, the only reason you're living this long is because I, I let you live and Batman or Bruce just shocks the hell out of him. And then, you know, he's pretty much like, I knew you knew and uh, I just knew you were a coward. So, again, <laughs> Bat- Batman to the very end gets his uh, gets the last laugh or the last word in anyway. Um, but um, overall, the stories were pretty cool. Um, I liked the fact that it was just a lot of variety. Um yeah. which I really appreciated. It kind of got me caught up with some of the things that I had been missing a little bit. Um, but yeah, so Detective 1000 will be my my fifth pick in our countdown. Good pick. Good pick. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. It was another great episode. Yep. Mark, you stay safe in the city, man. And uh, hopefully we're headed in the right direction and we'll be laughing about it, like I said, real soon and we can get back to normal. Until then, take care of yourself. Rob, take care of yourself. Practice your social distancing and wash your fucking hands, fellas, for God's sakes. That's right. I got to work on not biting my nails. But uh, again, same here. I I appreciate everybody listening there. I mean, especially, you know, during this time when we're some people are out of work and they've got a lot of time on our hands. I really appreciate anybody giving us a listen. But hopefully we can uh, help you cope with uh, your social distancing. So take care. Until next time, this is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Take care. Thanks again for listening and supporting this RMR production.